JFK was quite different from some of these other presidents that we've had in that he was very engaged with the minutia of policy, especially in key areas. <clears throat> and Comer, who was his National Security Council appointment on Israel, he said that <clears throat> Kennedy cleared personally almost every, I would say probably every major foreign policy move in the entire Middle East area. They were all given the personal presidential chop, and when they weren't, we heard about it. So we quickly didn't try to conduct policy without keeping him fully clued. The problem is here that Israel's disdain and hatred for Nasser predated Kennedy, and it would outlive him. Um, in 1954, you had the uh, Levon affair, and um, I believe that I even have a picture of Levon. Uh, this was a notorious scandal in, in Israel. Uh, it was a false flag bombing operation that was supposed to be, uh, be supposed to harm Nasser. They were going to bomb UK and US targets, and they're going to blame the, uh, the Egyptians. Uh, and this was going to be uh, part of a plot to keep the British uh, from leaving Egypt because the, the, they didn't want any, uh, you know, the British had a presence in, in Egypt that was in part making the you know making it more difficult for Nasser to do what he wanted to do, which was nationalize the Suez Canal. And the Brit the the Israelis thought they could keep the Brits there by staging these bombings. You know, you kill a few people, but this would be useful for foreign policy. So it's a you know a false flag terror attack. Uh, you also have in 1956. So we, for examples of how much the Israelis hated Nasser um, before the Suez crisis. You have um, this, Ben-Gurion explains his aims here, that he wants the Jordan to be eliminated as a state, wants the East Bank to go all the way to Iraq, or sorry, he wants the East Bank uh, of the, 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 to go to the state of Iraq and the West Bank to be annexed by Israel. So he had plans for you know, sort of redrawing the map there. And of course, the Suez crisis, Israel's a part of that, and it goes very badly because the U.S. intervenes on the side of, of Nasser. And, and not on the side of the Brits, the French, and the Israelis. It's a very unusual episode, but it actually shows that even under Eisenhower, which had the Dulles brothers running foreign policy, um, you had a concern for the way that the U.S. would appear to be backing colonial powers, that the U.S. the U.S. needed to have a good image in the third world and was actually concerned about this. And so this imperial gambit of this that was the Suez crisis where they tried to retake the Suez Canal from Nasser, uh, this was this failed and the U.S. did not back them ultimately. So this was a, a setback for these forces. But it doesn't matter. They get caught trying to blow up the, you know, stage bombings in Egypt. And you end up, the only thing that really happens is Levon resigns and some people had to spend time in Egyptian prisons. Um, and then the Suez crisis fails. Uh, or it, it, it's a failure and a defeat for the Israeli, British, and French side. Now, in early 1962, Kennedy approves a big aid package for Egypt, half a million dollars or half a billion dollars to stabilize the economy. And this led uh, U.S. policy advisor Chester Bowles to say Nasser would play a key role in bringing Middle East peacefully into our modern world. So the plan was to actually modernize and accept nationalism uh, in, the, in the Arab world. Ben-Gurion uh, responded to this saying that <clears throat> if Egypt were not planning the annihilation of Israel, uh, financial aid could be regarded as a very positive action. However, in the present state of affairs, the aid 
serves, uh, notwithstanding the good intentions of those who grant it, to set the Russian arms in motion against Israel. So this Cold War angle can be even played up by Israelis saying that, like, well, you know, you're helping them, but you're kind of helping Russia. Uh, JFK's um, had a different attitude about this, and he wrote this to Ben-Gurion. Um, he wrote that the uh, he continues to believe that the effort of the U.S. to develop effective relations with the Arab states are, in fact, in the long-term interest of Israel, at least as much as of the United States or the Arab countries themselves. Uh, these effective relations have, in, have significantly increased our influence with Arab leaders, uh, and this is exercised on behalf of peace uh, and with full regard for Israel's security. Okay, so he says, more specifically, I really cannot agree with the suggestion that our limited economic assistance to the United Arab Republic, that's Egypt, can be considered as a force which serves, quote, and this is what Ben-Gurion had written, to set the Russian arms in motion against Israel when the opportunity offers. Our own belief is that, in reality, these economic relations reduce the dangerous influence of the Soviet Union and serve as a restraint on any Arab action which might be destructive to the peace of the area and the interests of the United States. So JFK is saying this support for uh, Nasser and for countries in the Middle East is actually better because it, it improves conditions in these countries and brings them into an alliance with the United States and makes them more committed to peace in the region. And so it's actually good for is Israeli security. That's the argument that he's making, that like peace and prosperity in the entire region are not just good for these Arab countries, but good for Israel as well. And in a press conference, he reiterates he, uh, his support for all sides here. The U.S. supports social, economic, and political progress in the Middle East. We support the security of both Israel and her neighbors. We seek to limit the Near East arms race, which obviously takes resources from an area already poor and puts them into an increasing race, which does nothing really uh, to bring any great security does not really bring any great security. We strongly oppose the use of force or the threat of force in the Near East. So Kennedy is stating very clearly his opposition to you know, uh, war and an arms race in the Middle East and wanting prosperity all around rhetorically. Of course, presidents can say all kinds of things. So you can, you know, anybody can argue about how sincere he is. But I think the policies he was pursuing, you can see this. Now, um, in May of 63, Ben-Gurion offers to go to the United States to discuss various matters with JFK, but Kennedy actually declines and says, no, it's, it's generous of you to offer to come this way to Washington, and if it could remain private, this would be useful, but experience tells me in these sorts of times, uh, public attention is focused on you and the role of the U.S., there's no reasonable prospect that you and I could meet without publicity. I fear that a public meeting would have the effect of increasing the level of tension in the area and of promoting speculation, which could only be dangerous to our common purpose of maintaining stability and peace. So Ben-Gurion wanted to go to the U.S. and uh, talk to the president as a show of power. And uh, this would be you know, perceived as potentially sending a message to enemies of Israel that they, had the, they were in the good standing of the United States. And JFK says, no, I don't, I actually, I don't, it's not good for me to be seen with you right now. It'll just make things worse. So I think this is, you know, this is notable. Uh, May of 63, there's a White House memo on how to respond to congressional attacks on JFK's supposedly pro-Nasser Arab policy. And this, uh, this gets into, it. this just tells you some of the problems that they had. The, uh, because there was no, they had no one who could think of anybody in Congress who could defend the administration. Uh, 
everyone was wishing that there was some liberal senator who felt differently and could therefore defend the administration, but even Arthur Schlesinger could think of no one in this category. So Israel had already by then really achieved a stranglehold over the U.S. over U.S. the U.S. Congress. Uh, in Comer's last communication uh, with Israel during the JFK administration, November 21. Uh, he is complaining about this. He says, we're expected to subsidize Israel privately and publicly to support her to the hilt on every issue to meet all her security requirements and defend her if attacked. In return, we did not even know what she intended to do in such critical fields as missiles and nuclear weapons. What kind of a relationship was this? Couldn't the Israeli government acknowledge just once that the U.S. had a defensible position in attempting to maintain good relations with the Arab states? So this shows you that at the end of Kennedy's presidency, you had really gotten to a crisis level with Israel. I mean, this was uh, one of the major crises that Kennedy was facing, along with the civil rights issue in the U.S., along with trying to end the Cold War, trying to normalize relations with Cuba, potentially, um, and uh, wind down Vietnam. It's really, it's really something. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe, and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire. 